You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. How are we today, Bruce? It's good to see you. Healthy and alive, yeah. Good to see you as well. Glad to be back. Not that I went anywhere. It's just, you know, it's, it's another, a small another day, piece another of normalcy. Yeah, yeah. Another, another day, another grind. You know, I was yeah. kind of thinking about, to, and to that point, I was kind of thinking about some of the things that Marty used to say to us. And Marty, we hope you're doing well. We hope you're making a full recovery and we expect you back soon. But I, I remember him making a point once and he said that this is really the only thing over the last three years that have kept him sane, you know, coming on and speaking your mind about things and putting things into perspective and bouncing ideas off of each other. And then, of course, having an awesome listener base as we do, having that audience and knowing that there's actually people out there that give a damn what just three average guys have to say. It, it's been um, it's been therapeutic, if nothing else. And he said he said that because of what we've done here, because of what we've created, it saved him tens of thousands of pounds in therapy and it's kept him off that leather couch. So, I mean, yeah, it is a sense of, of normalcy. I can only imagine how I would feel if we didn't have this platform. Right. I mean, if we did if we didn't have any of this stuff and we were just people that were sitting around locked down, not able to do anything. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how that must feel if you're in, say, like New York or something, and you've been locked up in an, in like a three bedroom apartment with a, a nagging spouse and a few kids running around there? I mean, I, I would be right. It's no wonder anxiety's off the chart. It's no wonder stress is off the chart, and divorce rates are through the roof. I probably would have. Um, I, I'd have stacks of fines and citations and all that because of uh, not wearing masks and you know going in public just. Not mm-hmm. socially distancing. Actually, no. I socially distance whether there's a, there's a pandemic or not. That's just say, th- that's just think, my personality. Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, I, to be honest with you, and I'm I'm not trying to sound like condescending here or anything, but I mean, I'll just pull a Governor Cuomo. I'm not trying to sound condescending, but there are some people you might want to social distance from. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying there are some people out there you might want to social distance from. If you're in a supermarket and there is somebody, example, right? If there's some, if you're in a supermarket and there is somebody that is coughing and sneezing the next aisle over, you might want to stay social distance, right? Just just as a precaution, right? Pandemic or not, just as a precaution. Spend the extra time. Take the long way around, right? Come back to it. Circle back to it if you're the White House yeah, press circle secretary. Back, yeah. Circle back to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for me, it's just, it's a weird, you know how you're hanging with friends and you're you're kind of talking in circle, you know, you're, you're all in the circle kind of talking or what have yeah. you. Yeah. You're standing around. If you're closer than like five feet in that circle, you, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody in front of you yeah, and they're closer than five yeah, no feet. I, I step back and I'm kind of like, yeah, no, there's a bubble there. If you're, yeah. if you're to the side of me, that's different, right? I don't mind being you know, somewhat closer on, on like shoulder to shoulder, if you will, that doesn't bother me. It's the being in my face like that. So yeah, 
I, I'm just that way, period. So I always had it to one arm's length, you know, just keep some distance there, right? Back up. I mean, it, well, my, my arm's length, I guess, is usually mine and theirs both out. And that's about, that's a good distance. Right. And that's uh, pretty much, that's about social distance length anyway. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah that's, that's about six feet. Yeah. yeah, it's about six feet. All right. Let's get into the unconstitutional and I guess more or less illegal uh, impeachment. Okay. So this is the new thing. And you have what well, we had 5000 troops remain in the Capitol after the inauguration because that was supposed to be some wild insurrection or something. What mm-hmm. it really was, what what it really was. I'll just let you in on a little secret. What it really was. They actually couldn't get more than a couple of hundred people to actually attend a Joe Biden inauguration. So they had to have the military there to make it actually look like there was a crowd. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to look at the actual if you were to look at some of the press, like the press were given the like the balcony that was back from the uh, the front of the Capitol. And they had like the overlook. You could see out through where the inauguration was. And there was no one there. There was no one there. First time in our country's history, there was no one there. Don't give me this garbage about a pandemic. right? Don't give me that. No, no. See, they were so excited, so ecstatic to have it. They actually got drunk and wasted the night before. So they all had a hangover, you know, all what 80 million of the voters that you know 81 81, yeah all the they they all had a hangover and they just they just didn't want to get out of bed and most popular president in u.s history they were celebrating because he was so popular they they were celebrating because he was so popular yeah yeah and 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 you see it's okay that they violated social distancing and not wearing a mask because they were celebrating you see right Um, you know but you don't want to do that on inauguration day and and kill a whole bunch of people a couple of weeks right right You, you don't want to do that well they pulled a lot of those troops out, but now they're bringing in another 15,000. So they're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of about another 20,000 deployed in D.C. for this inauguration, saying that this is going to be some uh, massive uh, insurgency or, or something. I, I don't know. Like, this is what MSNBC is saying. I saw the clip this morning. They're, they're saying this is going to be some out of an abundance of caution. They're going to deploy an, an additional 15,000 troops back to the Capitol to protect against. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. No, no well, one even it, bothered it, to show up the last time. Well, it's to protect against the Proud Boys, who are now a terrorist entity in Canada. Canada. Labeled okay. them all right. All right. So, so so Antifa has been put on that list, too. Um, no, see, Antifa, see, they're, they're actually anti-fascists. So, oh, so they're all oh. for, you know, freedom and, and okay. you know, all those kind of things. You know, they're, they're right. very civil and, you know, they don't mm-hmm. do anything. It's just an idea. You see, it's not. Oh, an actual, oh like, I got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. OK, so the revolutionary abolitionist movement they're they're on that terror watch list. Yes. Uh, for Canada, I don't actually know in the case of, of Canada. Now, in the U.S., no. No, no, they're not. No. Hmm. Well, I mean, they banned their Twitter account. I guess that's a start, right? I mean, that's a that's a start, I suppose. But okay, they're going ahead with this th- this impeachment. Uh, okay, I'm trying to figure out here what exactly they're hoping to accomplish. I mean, let let's be honest here. First and foremost, this is illegal. You can't do this. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing, this is a Soviet show trial. If anybody doesn't know what the Soviet show trials were, use your favorite search engine and go check it out. Right, take a look at what that was. But they're going to try and impeach this guy when he's not even president. I mean, it's unconstitutional. Well, well, they don't give they don't care about the Constitution. I mean, that was out the window a long time ago. But now it's just outright uh, a blatant disregard for the rule of law. 
in and of itself, which I mean, okay, fine. They haven't given a damn about that anyway. But they're saying that this is this is what's been put forth uh, by a Wall Street Journal who published an op-ed piece from a Princeton University professor of politics, Keith E. Whittington's defense of the disqualification from future office uh, purpose of the Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump, which is scheduled to start in five days. Is that correct? Like February 8th, I think it is. Yes, it's um, the 8th, I believe. Yes. Okay. So this is the, the this is the argument that they're putting forward. He says that uh, Whittington holds that for the founders... A Senate trial merely to disqualify a former federal officer was a traditionally understood principle imported to America from England. Likewise, the scholars argue that history, including English impeachment history, as well as the intentions of the framers of the Constitution, is the source of the alleged constitutional power to convict prior office holders as well as the current ones. What is more, a Constitution without, in, without an independent disqualification power would be a Constitution that could be easily undermined. So basically, the impeachment process uh, that we have here in the U.S. differs from what the old English system was. They could indict and quote unquote impeach anyone except for the king. Whereas under our constitution, the only one you can really impeach is a sitting president or, you know, one of the lesser elected. I was going to say, like the precedent that they are setting with this is unimaginable. And if, if you don't understand what I'm sitting here saying to you, again, look up the Soviet show trials. OK, trust me on this one, because that's what they're setting up here. This will give them the the ability they're setting. The, the, the precedent here is so dangerous and so horrendous. I can't even put it into words because they're setting the precedent to indict every single man, woman and child on whatever they see fit. That's what they're doing. This is not about Trump. OK, understand that whether you like Trump, whether you hate Trump, that doesn't matter. OK, that's not in question here. The fact is, is that the precedent that they are setting is the precedent to come after you to come after your family. That's what it's about. Make no mistake about that. They're telling us, don't ever pick someone outside of the establishment again. Don't ever pick anyone that is going to disrupt our process, our establishment. Uh, that That's the other thing that they're trying to push here. Don't don't pick an outsider ever again. And, and they're trying to make sure that the average person is scared of ever running for office. If you know as the average person that you're going to have your entire life uprooted, you're going to have your family drugged through the mud, you're going to have your reputation destroyed all under false pretenses, under lies, if you try to run for office. That's the message they're trying to send here. And the walls, you ask, well, what are the walls about? That's a simple, let me, let me put this into words that they're not saying and stay out. That's what they're saying, if you haven't figured it out yet. And not only does that go for you and me, Mr. and Mrs. John Q, you know, voter, whoever in the world that is, okay, not only does that go for us, would you believe that also goes for preschoolers? Preschoolers, okay, preschoolers. It's been a tradition for preschoolers to go up onto Capitol Hill and go sledding when the snow piles up. Now, this has gone even further. The Capitol Hill police decided that this time they were going to put up some razor wire to keep the kids out from sledding down the hill. Sledding. You can't even go down the hill to sled. Uh, might I remind you, this is the most liked president. Uh, he had the most votes. Mr. Popper. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. 
The scene represents the virtual fortress that has erupted in Washington, D.C. since January, the January 6th Capitol riots. Uh, a sad commentary on modern American society, which that's what it's been. Weather forecast had predicted snow for several days. Congressional delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton released a statement requesting permission for children to sled on the Capitol grounds, which again, like I said, has been tradition. They even have rules up there that have been there for years for children to follow. That's the point of it, is it's a tradition. You take your kids out sledding on Capitol Hill, right? It's a, it's a tradition in America to do that. She noted that beginning in 2015, she had inserted specific language requiring the Capitol Police to open up the Capitol grounds to sledding. Yes, the security state tried to stop the sledding on the Capitol after 9-11. Okay, fine, right? So... Congress had to step in and said, no, nope, sorry, because of that, right? We can't do that. We're protecting our capital at the time because we don't know who's coming in and who's coming out, you know, who's coming in, going out, all that stuff. But uh, Norton made an eloquent case for sledding, pointing out that children across America have endured an extremely challenging year. Gee, you think? Given both the pandemic and seemingly perpetual shutdowns of public schools, as one might expect, however, the Capitol Police denied the request, citing the current security posture, COVID-19 restrictions, and the deconstruction of the inaugural platform. Um, I'm sorry, but that's the people's house. And, uh, I was going to um, say, we own that. I, I, yeah, I have, I have choice words for the Capitol Police that I cannot say here uh, because of uh, TOS. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, just how, how pathetic is this? R really? How just how, how stupid is this getting? And I, again, I've made references to the final days of what was going on in Nazi Germany. And, and that's what this is. This is this is literally this is a political establishment, as you said, Bruce, that doesn't want anyone to either get involved in their little comfy lifestyle, whatever the hell it is, all their little corrupt empires they've created. They don't want anybody to get involved in that. They don't want anyone to not only run for office, they don't want people to vote for someone outside of that, as you said. In the final days of what was going on here in Europe, everything turned into this madhouse, right? Everything was all the, you know, everybody was running for cover and and everybody was living in fantasy land and they were putting together these horrible policies and everybody was questioning what the hell is all this? And it's the same here, right? I made the analogy a couple of weeks ago that they're, the political class, they're in their bunker. That's the analogy I made. That's the comparison. The whole thing is turning into a madhouse. This COVID thing, they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this thing, trying to keep it together. They're holding it together with spit and string at this point, and it's just falling apart everywhere around them. The same thing with Biden, right? It was Groundhog Day in the United States. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday, right? Yeah. Yesterday was Groundhog Day. Okay. And for those that don't know, for those of us that are listening outside the US that don't know what Groundhog Day is, Groundhog comes out of his hole. If he sees his shadow, then we've got, is it six more weeks of winter or something? And if he yeah, doesn't, something then, like that. yeah, if he doesn't, then I, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a traditional thing. I feel sorry for the poor groundhog, you know, leave him alone. But the thing is, is that they were going to send Biden out to this thing, but oh, there couldn't be any crowds, right? It's usually this massive crowd out there. Oh, there couldn't be any crowds because of COVID. The fact is, is that, see, they are trying to keep this COVID thing alive to say that there can't be any crowds because there aren't any crowds to support it. So they need to keep, it's like they're, they're trying to hold up one lie to support another. So like you can't split the two. So you have to have them both together. You have to have COVID to have the fake presidency, the fake support for the fake presidency. You have to have that. If you don't have COVID, if COVID goes away, then you have no justification to say, oh, this is the most popular guy ever. When really you've got well, no one outside of uh, the political class, some people that live in some pockets in, in cities that are disconnected from the rest of the country and 
wound up lunatics like Antifa and, and BLM that actually support this. And to be fair, they don't even really support it. The inauguration day, Antifa attacked the Democratic Party headquarters in Portland and smashed out all the windows and were spray painting F Biden all over the side of the building. BLM on their official Twitter account, Black Lives Matter, on their official Twitter account just a few days ago said, we feel like we've been lied to. There's no support for this. None. But with all the craziness, all the uh, all the the police state stuff that's going on in the Capitol, everything that happened. And to be fair, I mean, it's justified because of the insurrection that happened on January 6th, right? The insurrection that happened. What was it? The coup attempt the lawlessness of it all, the single greatest tragedy, according to Senator Schumer, since Pearl Harbor. Okay, maybe he wasn't around during 9-11. I'm not sure. Must have missed that one. Or Oklahoma City. But one of the biggest voices of all of that mayhem on January 6th has been who? We talked about her yesterday. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? Congresswoman AOC. She's been putting out some blockbuster statements about how half the House or half the actually half of the Congress nearly died and how she was what, where was she, Bruce? She was in the she was locked in the bathroom. She was in the bathroom standing behind the door, she says, in yeah. one of her Instagram videos or whatever. Yeah. OK. Yeah. She And she was fearing for her life because the uh, the insurrectionists were roaming the halls and she didn't know if she was going to live or die. And, you know, the most tragic thing about all that, I just found this out right before we started. The most tragic thing about all that is and, and I'm sure you're going to I'm sure you're going to feel the same when I when I tell you this. She wasn't even in the Capitol building at the time of the riot on January 6th. So she she wasn't even there. She was in another building entirely. No words for that. All the overblown messages that they're sending through all this, right? I mean, you talk about blowing something out of proportion. This is in my lifetime, as far as a uh, as far as a, a national incident, this is the most overblown thing I've ever seen outside of COVID. Okay, this is the most overblown thing I've seen, and it's not just it's not just COVID that's overblown. The response to it is is included in that also as to what I'm trying to explain. So she wasn't even in the building. And you think, oh, well, that's just some conspiracy theory. She was showing the emotion. How can you how can you say that? How can you say that about her? She was genuine. She was really in fear of her life. I'm not the one saying it. Representative Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina, said that her office is in the same hallway as Ocasio-Cortez's office, which is two doors down from hers, and that there were no rioters in that area at any time. She called out the New York representative for her egregious claims, and she did, that, she did that on her Twitter. She says, AOC made clear she didn't know who was at her door. Breathless attempts by the media to fan fictitious flames are dangerous. My office is two doors down. Insurrectionists never stormed our hallway. Egregious doesn't even begin to cover it. Is there nothing the mainstream media won't politicize? And Congresswoman, the answer is no. The answer is no. There is nothing they won't politicize. As a matter of fact, they would take this to another extreme if they could. If there was a way for them to escalate this even further, they would. Which, in fact, that's what some members of Congress are doing outside of the mainstream media. Mainstream media went a step further and started it with domestic terrorism, didn't they? They've been pushing that. And now, of course, you've got Democratic Party members coming on saying, as we talked about yesterday, the representative from the, from the state of California, she said, it's now time to call all Republicans domestic terrorists. That was her tweet. That was her tweet. As a matter of fact, GP sent me a message last night in the middle of the night asking me to send that tweet over to him because someone he was trying to explain it to didn't believe any of it. That was some right wing conspiracy. She actually said that. So taking all this emotion out of this ridiculous scenario, OK, what happened was that 
AOC was in her office in a building on Congressional campus at the time the Capitol building was unlawfully accessed by the mob of violent rioters to disrupt Congress. She was afraid, but she was in her office in another building and hid in the bathroom. So see, she, she wasn't even there. A short time later, as she was still hiding in the bathroom, a Capitol Police officer came to her office and checked on her safety, directing her where to go to be evacuated from any impending danger. See, she was never in any danger at all. She did not trust the officer's intentions, but complied with his directive. She took her handbag and left her office along with a member of her staff, who similarly did not trust the officer. Well, then who can you trust? Oh, oh, see, these are the people that want to defund the police. See, this is the point that I've been trying to make. They don't want to defund the police. They don't want to disband the police. They want to become the police. That's what it is. See, they only trust their people that have the same ideology as them. Cortez said that the officer was looking at me with all this anger and hostility. At first, in my brain and in my mind, lady, they're kind of the same thing. Just just throwing that out there. I just came from this super intense experience just now. Maybe I'm reading into this, right? Like maybe I'm project. I can't even like I can't I can't do this. Maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe I'm just project. Maybe I'm projecting something onto him that maybe I'm just sensing anger. But maybe he's not trying to be angry. This is a mental patient. Okay, this is a mental patient. This is a deranged kid that has absolutely no bearing on reality. This is paranoid schizophrenia. Is what this is. That's what this is. The Capitol Police are assigned to protect you. That's their job. They're not there to hurt you, do you harm, lady. They're there to help you. God. I talked to my legislative director. That's the guy that passes her the notes of what to say in those committees, by the way. And he said, no, I didn't know if he would help us or hurt us either. Do, 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 you, hear, do you hear how crazy this is? Uh, it's likely that um, AOC probably knew who this officer was and had some kind of repertoire with them, more than likely. Number one, uh, because I know the representative, one of the representatives for my state actually talks with law enforcement there. Maybe that's the difference between a Republican and Democrat. I don't know. But I do know that he he's talked to law enforcement. In fact, he was talking to the law enforcement officer that shot Ashley uh, Babbitt before it happened. The other thing to take note of, let's say she truly was in the bathrooms. You do realize to get to the bathrooms where their offices are. You have to go through a lot of, we'll call them checkpoints, but but different doors and hallways. And it's a bit of a winding way through there. And they weren't even near that area, as this other representative pointed out. Even if she was hiding in the bathroom, the person that came into the bathroom that she was so terrified of was probably another staffer. It, it, it's no respect for her. But see, here's the thing, though. In her view... She's now saying that, and she's not the only one, but in her view, she says that she's afraid that members of the GOP in Congress will will do it again, right? Now, see, what was she saying about Ted Cruz? She was telling Ted Cruz the next day to resign because yeah, and she it was also it said was his was fault trying to murder. Her. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. It was his fault that, that that actually happened to her. Yeah, she later said that she believed that her colleagues in the GOP were white supremacists who she feared would allow others to do harm to her. She also accused Senator Ted Cruz of trying to get her killed. That's a quote, trying to get her killed. Yep. That she wouldn't attend President Joe Biden's inauguration because she didn't, quote, feel safe around Republicans and has demanded the removal of Republicans in the House and Senate. You see how this works? You see how this works? The one party who says, oh, we're fighting fascism. Uh Uh-huh. Who's behaving like that? 
Uh, just curious real quick. She's saying she didn't feel safe at the inaug... Was it because all the National Guard that was there and law enforcement? Is that why 30, you weren't feeling safe? Yeah, 30,000 troops there. Mm. How, how much more safe could you be? You had, you had eight, 10-foot fences with razor wire going through the fence around that. So, I mean, you had, you had what was it, a mile in each direction cleared? I mean, how much more safe do you want to be? I mean, if it were me, if it were me, and I were sleeping behind... Uh, now, by the way, it's funny because what, what is it they say borders and walls? Those are those are racist and funny. They're 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 behind those now. Yeah, because if you're so legitimate and you're so popular, why are you behind walls and and troops? Just just throwing that out there. I mean, if I'm behind eight to ten foot walls with razor wire, I mean, hell, I wish I could do that myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. that would be for me. That's home security. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would I wouldn't mind that. Right. I mean, that's just call me paranoid. But that's just what I that's just what I think when it comes to home security. OK, fine. Yeah, I'll take a 10 foot unscalable walls with razor wire on top. Sure. Sure. I'll have some sandbag nests. Sure. Fine. Uh, give me. Uh, and you know what? If you're going to give me twenty five thousand, thirty thousand armed troops to surround that wall on the inside and out, I'd sleep pretty good. I would sleep pretty good, to be fair. That would probably be the most safe that I've ever felt. When it comes to that. So what are you afraid of? What what on earth are you afraid of? See, like this is the delusion. This is the level of delusion. When you get to a certain point, and and I've made the I've made the references before. When you have a political establishment that has been in power, and this is every time in history, right? You can go and look this up. That's that's how this stuff plays out. When you're a political establishment that has been in power for a very long period of time, and you get weakened, just weakened, not removed, but weakened, then you go into a sense of self-preservation. You get whipped up into this insane frenzy of hatred, fear, and paranoia. And the entire thing turns into a complete madhouse until the entire system tears itself apart. Okay? That's just how these things play out. And look at the pattern. This is a long-held political establishment that gets knocked through a loop when Donald Trump gets elected. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was not supposed to happen. They thought, it's Hillary's going to go in. She's a shoe in. She'll run over all this stuff. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And they freaked out. They didn't know what to do. And so the last four years has been a complete nightmare because they are so desperate. They're going to lose everything. And that includes their livelihood. They're going to lose it all. They're going to lose it all. They're going to be exposed and they're going to go down for this. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. That's why everybody's going to, that's why everybody's going into self-preservation mode now. That's why everybody's ducking for cover. They're putting walls around everything. And now they're calling everybody terrorists that doesn't agree with them because they're in their final days and they know it. They've now gone through and <laughs> you literally, they've gone through, they've, they've literally stolen the country out there in front of the world. They don't care anymore, right? That, that's where they are. They don't care anymore. This whole COVID thing is, is completely falling apart, right? There was a 200 page, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, a report that came out of the White House the other day on COVID with reference to what's going on with the schools. Open the schools, right? Get the schools back open again. And Fauci put his name on that report and was touting it around, waving it around. Yeah, we've got this. This is what's going on. And they said, there's nothing we can do with uh, as far as what's going on with the schools. So we just need to open them up. And then two hours later, he's out there on TV talking about how we've got to vaccinate all the kids because uh, that's the only way we can stop what's going on with the schools. See, the whole thing, again, that's the madhouse part of it. The system's tearing itself apart. This is why all the confusion's everywhere. You've got a long-held establishment that got smacked in the face (laughs) politically by the populist movement. Donald Trump, Brexit, 
Oh, man, that really, really made these people look like ass clowns. And so now, I mean, they are moving. They're moving so fast and it's going to get faster. I mean, I wasn't even expecting it to move this fast. I was expecting things to go quick. I mean, I, t I told you, Bruce, and I told everybody else, I said, this is going to go fast. But I didn't think it was going to go this fast. But they are so desperate and they are so paranoid that they are moving at light speed. The Bolsheviks, when the Bolsheviks took over Russia, it took them 10 years to really take over the entirety of Russia, all of it. Same thing with, with Hitler. When Hitler took over Germany and, and did all his mess here, it took him seven years to actually get an established foothold. He didn't do it overnight. He grabbed power in one day, but he didn't have the entire political machine set up overnight. So like when you bring in a totalitarian system like this, it takes a lot of time to do that. But they are out of time and they are desperate to keep it together. And they are just they are blowing it, man. This is like this is like amateur hour at a comedy club watching this of how ridiculous all this stuff is. And they are just they are so terrible at all this stuff. And and <laughs> I, I don't even I don't know if I want to laugh or if I, if I want to cry because of, of just the sheer amount of stupidity that goes along with it that people blindly follow. Right. That's what gets me the most out of all of it is when you're looking at this and you know history, that's the only thing I, that that's the only thing about it. I don't have a crystal ball. Bruce doesn't have a crystal ball. GP, Marty, none of the rest. We don't have crystal balls. We don't know what's going to happen, but we have a pretty good idea as to how things are going to go because we know how these things play out in history. Pick up a history book. You got time. If you're locked down, you got time. Read a history book. Read about, uh, okay, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, William L. Shire. That's a, that's a world-renowned book on what happened in Germany, how they came to power and how they fell. That's an important part of our history. The Soviet Union, what happened in Russia, the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, three-volume set. That's history. That's an important piece of our history. Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley talks about the, the rise and fall of civilizations and what civilizations go through. And the thing is, is that the elites, if you want to call them that, right, I, I just they're just a bunch of I, I mean, I don't I don't even know what the, I don't feel sorry for them, but they're pathetic. They're, they're pathetic. They don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to build. They don't know how to innovate. They don't know how to engineer. They don't know how to create. All they know how to do is is steal and repress and destroy. That's all they know how to do. So they understand everything that I'm sitting here talking about. They understand this. And they're placating on the fact that everybody doesn't know this. I mean, they're looking at the average public out there as just a bunch of adult children. And a lot of them are. I hate to say it. A lot of them are. I mean, if you look at them, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, I told you, I was talking to somebody the other day, went into a store. 90% of the people they saw in that store wearing two masks because Dr. Fauci said so. But yet two days later, he says, well, there's no data to support that. Sheeple, right? I guess that's the word. But it's a game these, of Simon Says. Yeah, it, pretty much. But see, these people, right, when Klaus Schwab, he gets up, like, there's there's no future for people like us when it comes to this. They understand that traditionally, when totalitarians take over, you try to bring in a totalitarian system, then people stand up, they resist that, and they get run over, right? The totalitarians get run over. That's traditional. That's how it works. But see, they're trying to go another way with it this time. See, the technology wasn't there before. Now it is. It's robotics right? It's 5G. See, they don't need us on the other side of this. If they can get that robot army that they're so desperately striving for to stand up, well, then there's not going to be anyone that can stand up and resist that. That's why they call this the final revolution. They think that this is it for them. And it is. Prince Charles himself even said it. He says, this is our last shot. If we can't get it now, then we're not going to be able to. This is it. This is it for them. This is their last shot. And so our own negligence has led us to this point. We decided, oh, well, we gave a damn about football. We care about the NFL and our team and this and that. Well, how do you like it now? 
How do you like it now? Because all that energy that you put into watching football, all that energy you put into to watching baseball, whatever. And I got nothing against that. I got, I've got nothing against that. Let's defeat these pieces of garbage and then let's watch some football. I'll buy the popcorn. I'll buy the nachos and the drinks and the tickets, right? I'll buy it all. But let's get rid of these freaks before we get back to that, can we? So I, I'm looking at all this and, and I see these people and I see them moving forward and, and I see failure. I see failure on their part because of how fast they're moving. They're going to get more and more sloppy. They're going to get more and more insane. And they're going to get more and more out of control because that's what these systems do. Anyway, um, yeah. And the madness continues uh, with this. YouTube, right? YouTube was um, uh, they were they pulled down two Senate uh, hearings on COVID-19 treatments. Okay, not vaccinations, right? Because according to the World Health Organization and Bill Gates, that's all you need is a vaccination. You don't need any therapeutics. You don't need any treatments, none of that. The vaccine will save you and that's the end of it. Oh, but you're just, you're still going to have to social distance, lock down, wear masks and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you, you're going to need five shots a year probably to, to protect you from COVID. The AstraZeneca shot, they say, oh yeah, that, that only protects you for 12 weeks. So see, you're going you're to need boosters every uh, thing every 12 weeks. So yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson said, YouTube, which is owned by Google, removed two videos from a Senate hearing about COVID-19 treatments from its platform on Wednesday. This is his tweet on the matter. He says, social media censorship just ratcheted up to a new level. Google's YouTube removed two videos of doctors testifying under oath at my U.S. Senate hearing on early treatment of COVID. Another body blow to freedom of speech and expression. Very sad and scary. Where does this end? Well, Senator, I'll tell you where it ends. I'll tell you where it is. It ends when you shut down these companies. That's where it ends. You shut down these companies. And I know that sounds dictatorial and authoritarian, but what are they behaving like? What are they behaving like? You've got to stop this. If you want to stop it, you seize the company. You shut it down. That's what you do. I, I'm sorry. And people were telling me years ago, oh, that's, uh, yeah, are you acting like a dictator much? And I said, what are you going to do when they start banning people, banning you? What are you going to do then? What are you going to do when there are no businesses left other than Amazon or Microsoft or Sony or Google or Facebook or Twitter or any of the rest of them? What are you going to do when there's nothing left except for those? I got no answer. I got no answer. And you know what? It's gonna get I, still, I still have no answer. It's going to get worse. Um, it, it mentioned it was it yesterday. Amazon uh, Web Service CEO is now the CEO of Amazon, and that's the guy that was over the closure of Parler. Uh, yeah, it, it's only going to get worse. So buckle up. And that's just it. You bend a knee to this, it gets worse. You capitulate yep. to this, it gets worse. It always gets worse. Same thing with COVID. You capitulate to the COVID stuff, it gets worse. You notice that every time you give in to what the government says to do. It gets worse. You notice that? Yeah, it's it's almost like history is repeating itself. It is repeating itself. History does repeat itself, but it always comes back in an abstract form. So you can identify the trends and you can see it. That's why we're able to see through all this stuff, because history is repeating itself, but it's in an abstract form. It's brought up to the new age. So you can see that. I mean, it, it's there. It's happening. There was a, uh, a, 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 I guess you can call it like a snap protest today uh, in Germany, about an hour from me, and thousands and thousands thousands of people got into their cars and decided they were going to start shutting down the roads in protest of the lockdowns because they're tired of it. They're tired of it. My question is, okay, that's great. Right, that, that's great. Also, there's a, another protest coming up in Berlin, just outside of the um, just outside of their Bundestag, 
And this time it's the farmers. The farmers are going to stand up because the farmers are tired of having all of their stuff disrupted because of everything that's going on with COVID. Now, here's my question. Here's my question. Okay, that's great. Right? That, that's great. I, I'm glad the Germans are standing up. They've been standing up for quite some time now, but that's fine. Here's the thing. I got two questions to that. One, what in the hell good is that going to do because the government doesn't care? No government cares about any of that stuff. They don't care about protests. They don't care what you have to say anymore. That's the tradition of us standing up, voicing our opinion. A government that is elected of, for, and by the people represents us. They see that we're displeased about something, so they either back off or they change something. Not this. This is different. This is different. This is a full-on takeover of your life. That's what this is. So standing up and protesting something, they don't give a damn about that anymore. If they actually cared, then they would have stopped after the first protest, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the 50th. They don't care about any of that. When you're out there, if you're a government and you're out there and you're turning water cannons on peaceful protesters, it'd be one thing, again, as, as I said, if the people were breaking the police lines and cracking them over the head and the police were being overrun. OK, I can understand it. You're trying to restore order, but not people just standing there off to the side by themselves. How's that for a government giving a damn about your protest? How's that? That's my first question. My second question, my countrymen, where in the hell are you? The Americans. We're supposed to be leading the world in this stuff the hell are we doing? We're nowhere to be found. What are we at home watching Netflix? Are, are we are, are we figuring out what the hell we're going to make or like what kind of cheese we're going to put on a grilled cheese sandwich? Your kids are not in school. You're not at the office. What the hell are you doing? That's my question to, to Americans, right? To, to, to my own countrymen. That's my question. Where in the hell are you? Oh, yes, we're out there in front of the Michigan State Capitol protesting high school sports, but we're not protesting at every single mayor's office. Every city council chambers. We're not out there. We're not holding snap protests of thousands of people in cars, blocking traffic, saying that's enough of this. Why? Why are we not showing up on Sunday morning at all of our churches in mass across the towns saying we don't give a damn? What, are you going to send some police down there to run four or five hundred people out of a church? You run the police out of there. The hell is our problem? Forget those yahoos in the Capitol, okay? Their intentions are clear. But at the local level, where we are our strongest, that's where we make the difference at the local level. I see nothing. I see no action. I'm confused. I'm confused. Help me, Bruce. What am I missing here? Well, at least they're making some action or, or taking some action, I guess, is is the, the thing I would say right off the bat. At least they're they're starting to go somewhere. And you, you do have to exercise all your legal. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, fine. But nothing? Nothing? I mean, people are getting banned left and right from social media. Videos are getting taken down. We're getting called domestic terrorists and there's nothing. See, th that's the other thing, though, is they are aching for a physical fight. The governments, they are aching for a physical fight because they failed on every other front. They failed on every other front. They have no confidence. None. Like the, the people, they have no confidence in the people. The populace doesn't back them in any Western nation. They don't back them because they've ruined absolutely everything from everyone's life. They've ruined it. They're a disgrace. And so now they need to take it to a physical level. They're pushing to get a response because that's all they have left. They are so close to losing. The Italian government's already fallen. The Austrians are next. The Polish? Hell, the government's actually on the side of the people, if you can believe it. France? It's falling apart in France. Macron came out yesterday and said, hell, these vaccines don't even work. What are we doing? Merkel, man, that woman. Oh, my God. She, she's insane. She says, oh, we'll take vaccines from any country. You're going to take vaccines from China. You're going to take vaccines from Russia. Vaccines that your country hasn't even approved. Have you lost your damn mind? 
That's a, OK. That's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that. But it's like this is the lunacy, right? This is a lunacy. And now they're pushing people. They're pushing people to a physical confrontation because they got nothing left. This is their last play. This is their last play. But I'm still trying to grasp the fact that the Americans I'm not talking about being violent here. Right. That's never the answer. Nobody wins that way. Nobody from either side. We both lose in all of that. Right. Bruce, you've made that point several times here. We all lose in a physical confrontation. That's not what this needs to be. See, that's why they want to take it there, because they know that, well, they'll stand a better chance of winning. See, they're going to lose anyway, but they'll stand a better chance if it's a physical fight. But see, they don't have the resources or the logistics to be able to pull that off. See, that's the other problem to it. A lot of people seem to think that, well, you win wars based on money. No, 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 no. See, you win wars based on logistical supply lines, resources, allocations of those resources. That's how you win wars. And these people, they don't have that. Look what they've done with this COVID thing, this management of this COVID thing. They've made an absolute mess of it. You think these people could win a war? They're losing the one they're in now. Ideologically, they've lost it. So yeah, again, as you, as you yeah, said, we're in the war of attrition right now. Yeah, it's, it, that's so, what it is. It's war of attrition. Yeah. So I, I guess my question is, I, I'm just, I'm wanting to see a more active response, peaceful active response from the Americans. That's what I'm wanting to see. And I'm sure a lot of us are waiting on that, right? A lot of us are waiting on that. Americans alike, we're, a lot of us are waiting on that. So I, I get it. So some of the actions that you take or that people might be taking, it's technically um, behind the scenes, if you will. I honestly don't know how many people are calling their representatives, their senators, their governors. I don't know how many people are calling into their local radio stations talking about this, asking why the governor isn't standing up and why isn't the governor doing something or, you know, your your mayor or something. You know, why why aren't you passing legislation on a local level to defend yourselves from the tyranny that is the mass mandates, the, the social media, you know, all the stuff that we're seeing happen, you know, like the Biden administration deciding to get rid of the farming bill or the uh, Keystone pipeline or, you know, these different things. Why is it that a swing state, Florida, why is it that Ron DeSantis is doing more for the conservative people of Florida than, no, not even conservative people, the people of Florida? Then it, it seems like any other state is doing this. Dude, South Dakota, it, <laughs> South Dakota. Yeah, yeah, that's Chris, fair. Christy South Dakota Nome. is doing. Christy she's doing, doing good. some good stuff there. I mean, here, um, DeSantis, he's uh, he's put forward legislation to uh, limit social media companies' ability to sell users' information to advertisers for a profit, uh, and they're also taking action to protect social media users uh, from censorship based on their viewpoints or or information. I mean, those are some great steps that we've been talking about with so, uh, with uh, social media or tech companies in general, right? Where are the rest of the, the, the states standing up on a state level? Well, some of them, uh, to be fair, just, I mean, a couple of them are, not not many, but a couple of them are. Attorney General in Texas, Ken Paxton, right? The one that actually filed mm -hmm. the, the lawsuit and got all the other states on board about election irregularities. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, sorry, we, <laughs> yeah, no standing. Uh, yeah, no, no standing. Paxton, right? He has put forth a, um, well, he's, well, more or less, he's, he's filed a lawsuit to stop the implementation of an executive order that directs a halt to all deportation of illegal aliens during Biden's first 100 days as president. So this freeze, according to him in this thing, it violates the Constitution as a violation of federal immigration and administrative law, as well as an agreement between the state of Texas and the Department of Homeland Security. Agreed. Yeah. So, that, I mean, there's a guy that's standing up as to one executive order. The other one, as I said, South Dakota uh, Governor Christy Nome, she's doing fantastic work. Uh, my God, 
why in the hell like why don't we have 45 more of her you know right like for for god's sake that's just that's unbelievable now well, south dakota she's, she's more of a moderate as well she is like she is year, years in the past she was more moderate than than uh my point is is like why is it that we're seeing these that are supposed to be the more moderate ones or supposedly, you know, they're they're doing taking more action. Well, except for Paxton. He's uh, he's actually a good dude. I've seen some of the work he's done. He, he, he's he's been doing good work. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's solid in South Dakota, though. I mean, a state representative introduced a bill that would enable the state attorney general to review and reject presidential executive orders that violate the Constitution. What's wrong with that? I, I, I don't even know why they need a, a state. You like, shouldn't need it. That's why they're introducing yeah. it. Like it shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't even need that. Yeah. Uh, the bill. Right. Listen to this bill. The bill takes a broad view, stating that no executive order may be implemented that restricts a person's rights. Think about that. Huh. The it's bill. Like a constitution, you know, it's almost like yeah, we have almost, a constitution yeah. that's supposed yeah. to protect us from those kind yeah. of things. It's odd uh-huh. that you have to do that at the state level from the federal government. It's kind of a it's funny how that violation works. of our policies in there. Yeah. The proposed bill would allow the attorney general to block implementation of any order deemed unconstitutional if the order refers to, and there's a list here, a pandemic or other public health emergency. Uh-huh. That they've includes used- climate change, by the yeah. way. Yeah. They have, yeah, a public health emergency because using the pandemic and climate change, they have done nothing but stomp on people's rights using the bureaucracy of the public health departments and leveraging the corporations. Yeah, they're going to start using it for climate change and uh, racial stuff. They're yes, because they're going to are... shift. They need to shift. Yeah, yeah. The regulation of natural resources. Yeah, you know, the federal drilling. Keystone, ban, uh-huh. for example. Yeah, Keystone, yeah. uh-huh. The regulation of agricultural industry, which we'll talk about that here in a second. The You'll like this one. The regulation of land use, right? So basically, Ooh. Bureau mm-hmm. of Land Management. See you later, right? Thanks. Thanks for playing. Ac- yeah, have a nice Actually, day. Actually, the Supreme Court has told the federal government twice you are to relinquish control of federal land. You know, public land that the BLM is supposed to be overseeing. Um, yeah, that's supposed to go back to the states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, see, th- th- but see, what happens when... What happens when the federal government takes a hold of that? Oh, well, they can just turn it over to the uh, to, to the U.N. and say, well, this is a U.N. bio biodiversity protection land, whatever. And then that's a or a carbon sink is what they were calling it years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. The regulation of the financial sector through the imposition of environmental, social or governance standards. And so basically anything involving the Green New Deal. Pretty much. Yeah. And the regulation of the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Oh, God. nice. Uh, I, that I, that I right. There, that's that, that's that is that is an extremist point of view. You see how extreme those people are out there in South Dakota. You hear that? I, I mean, if they pass that legislation, I'm thinking about moving there, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got. Uh, yeah, you got. Uh, what's it? You got Mayflower on speed dial ready to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's jump over to uh, since we were talking about agriculture there. That's uh, this is an important thing. This is a really important thing. The Biden administration suspends COVID nineteen farm aid payments pending a review. Gee, I wonder what that review will be. Why would you shut off aid to the farmers, you idiots? You know, do, do you do you people not understand that if you don't farm, you don't eat? Do, do you idiots not understand that? Do you know? I, I just when when you go back and you look through. What happened in the 20th century? Look at what happened with the starvation in the Soviet Union under Joseph Stalin and, and Vladimir Lenin. Okay, those two horrible, disgusting human beings. Those two things. Do you know the reason that the that the Russians starved? Right, you had at least 10 million people that starved to death in the Soviet Union. 
right? 10 million. Okay, that, uh, that's, that's being conservative. That's just the numbers that we know about. But it wasn't the fact that they didn't have the crop. It was the fact that they had government mismanagement of that crop. Jeez. The, you, they were hit so bad. Like World War II, they lost like 20 million people in World War II. 40. Something crazy like that. 40. From just Trump. Okay, well, maybe well, it's okay, just one so battle the total deaths, the, Well, the total deaths that we... Uh, and you can argue the numbers uh, because mm. I've seen... I've seen numbers. Some people say, uh, I don't know. I heard some whacked out college professor who was a, a Stalinist in uh, in the University of Pennsylvania. He said Stalin never killed anybody. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, St- Stalin was a loser. Okay, I, I, and I'll, I'll say that publicly. Stalin was a loser. You know, we were talking about the other day how these dictators throughout history they're losers. You know what Stalin was? We talked about how Hitler was a loser. You know Stalin, Joseph Stalin. Do you know what he was before he was? Uh, the leader of Russia. Do, do you know who he was before he was that horrible communist dictator? He robbed banks for the Bolsheviks. That's what he did. He was a bank robber. Revolutions cost money. That's how the Bolsheviks got their money. Joseph Stalin robbed banks for the Bolsheviks. He was the last remaining Bolshevik. Do you know the kind of people that rob banks? They're losers. That's who they are. Now, you can argue the numbers in the Soviet Union. I've read 10 million, I've read 20 million, 30, 40, 50. I've heard all the way up to 60 million uh, of the number of people that died. But those are a combination of civilian casualties and military casualties. So just I during mean, World War II, just, just during just from the war. Well, it, um, it, no, it Is was it? No, no, not from the war. It was from the 1920 uh Bolshevik Revolution or armed insurrection is basically what it was uh, all the way up until the time that the Soviet Union collapsed. So in its entirety, in in its entirety, in its entirety. Yeah, Yeah. I was just uh, I was just referencing how many died from the war and then just from the immediate uh, following few years of Soviet Um, occupation. There's there's contradictory numbers. I've heard millions. I've heard it. Well, it's in the millions. Uh, But I was speaking of not just that, but I was also speaking of like political prisoners, gulag deaths, starvation, civilian deaths, all all the rest of it. So, I mean, it's kind of yeah. when it comes to history, I mean, all that stuff is kind of lumped into one. Unfortunately, I mean, it's just it's tragic. It's tragic that we look at human life like that as a statistic. But Joseph Stalin, as he said, most famously, one man dies, it's a tragedy. 10,000 die, it's a statistic. So, yeah. But yeah, okay. So your thoughts on the Biden administration cutting that farm? That's disgusting. That is despicable is what that is. Well, congratulations. Um, uh, assuming the election is legitimate. No, actually, no, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to go there. Just the people that legitimately voted for Biden. You know, the, those of you that decided, well, I, I doubt any of you are listening to this podcast if you're voting for Biden. But congratulations. This is this is what you uh, this is what you brought. This is what you voted for. The uh, destruction of our economy, the destruction of our well livelihoods, really. Uh, that, that's what you voted for. I, I, I don't know if you thought he wasn't going to do all the things he said he was going to do. I mean, I, I tend to take people at their word. So maybe maybe shame on me for for, you know, trusting people that much. But uh, not done me wrong yet. And it's not wrong this time either, is it? Uh, so, no, nah. this is that was a policy that was put in place by Trump, uh, at least helping the far, uh, farmers, the aid because of the tariffs. Um, it was hitting farmers pretty hard. So he, he uh, you know, they, they got that in place to, to help the farmers and keep them stable. Um, I don't think Biden's removed those tariffs. Has he? I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, that I don't know. Uh, this is, uh, when I was looking at this, said uh, the administration suspended payments from a 2.2 
$1.8 billion farm relief program for a review after officials under Donald Trump, uh, the former president, authorized an aid on their last full day in office. He did it on his last day in office. Uh, oh, and so, so he did more on the last day because he, he had yeah. done some originally earlier in his Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. he like early on, he did something. There was like there, there was something going on with uh, the dairy farmers in like Wisconsin or something. And yeah. Uh, he was he was campaigning. He was doing a, th- a big thing there. And I think he was on the right track when all this other nonsense got thrown in there, because uh, I think the next step in that would have been I think he was going to go after the Chicoms because they were buying up uh, a lot of our not just our farmland, but they were buying up uh, buying up a lot of our producers. So that was going to be the next thing, because listen here, listen closely. China is out of food. China is out of fresh water. Think about that. Ever since COVID, the Chinese last week, I was reading last week, they bought more corn and wheat from the U.S. last week, last week alone, than they had the entire year prior to that. Think about that. They've got a problem. They've got a real problem. And so the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want to look any worse than they already do. So now they're going to go out and they're going to take what they need. Uh, and so, and, but see, with uh, with Beijing Joe in there, I mean, he's he's a shoe and he's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything. 87% of the payments under the final round of aid are reserved for hog and poultry farmers who work under contracts commonly used for the meatpacking companies, such as Tyson Foods and Smithfield Foods, which is majority owned by Xinhua Foods. So see, they changed the name of it back to Smithfield because, well, Xinhua, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious, kind of <laughs> obvious where that comes from. Yeah, that is for anybody that doesn't know, Smithfield Foods is the largest pork producer in the United States, which is now wholly owned by the Chinese Communist Party. For anybody that doesn't know, yes, they came in and they bought out America's largest pork producer, the largest of the farm aid drawing on funds, uh, drawing on funding included the nine hundred billion. Uh, coronavirus relief package that Congress passed in December follows a year of record payments during the pandemic, economic slump, and trade disputes. They're saying that, uh, let me see, the Department of Agriculture spokesman said that Thursday the agency would continue to accept applications for the aid. I'll see if if the farmers can just get through and and fill out this mountain of paperwork. Well, then maybe we can get you the money and and maybe we can let you run your business and, and run your farm. Maybe. It's a big maybe. We'll work as quickly as we can to complete the review, he said. Hmm. This is important. This is big. This is an important program, and we need to get it right. There's an easy way to get it right, and that's to get the hell out of the way, sir. That's the easiest way to get it right. Get the hell out of the way, all of you. That's the easiest way to get it right and to make it work, okay? I, I, I don't... I don't understand the delusional world these people live in. We don't want your help. Understand that. That is very clear. That's as clear as shall not be infringed is on the Second Amendment. We do not want, nor do we need, your help, any of you. He goes on to say, we're going to use a mix of financial relief, whatever in the hell that means, looking at ways to expand access to lending. Oh, yes, put them further into bankruptcy. That's what it is. And working with existing authority as well as with Congress, to ensure farm programming reaches producers of 
all sizes, regions, and production styles in the months ahead. Oh, so now the government's going to run your farm, right? That isn't that isn't that just fantastic? Yeah, programming. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. farm programming. And the, and the fact that the loans, um, n- no, I, I know it fits the narrative yeah, exactly. we've been talking exactly. about, but no, you, you don't give it a loan. When you destroy businesses, when you, uh, whether it's lawful or unlawful confiscation of business, you have to give some kind of compensation that's fair. That's constitutional. But uh, apparently we don't care about laws. You know, apparently, apparently laws don't matter to us anymore. It's just... I, I've heard various podcasts or podcasters mention the fact that uh, we're not a nation of laws. We never have been and we never will. And, you know, more and more that we get into this and dig in, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of of the same opinion. We're not a nation of laws. We're a, a nation of political will. We're a nation of uh, basically whatever we can choose to do, more or less. And it doesn't matter what the laws are. So... Uh, I don't know. Well, it's it's being pushed down as as political will. I mean, that's what everything's turning into is exactly that is everything's turning into political will. You'll do what we tell you to do and you're not going to do anything outside of that. And if you do anything outside of that, then we're going to shut you down. See, when Schwab and company, when they get up there and they talk about stakeholders and not shareholders, you know what stakeholder is? Let me let me put this into perspective. A shareholder is well, you, me, anybody else, right? We can have a say in that company because we're going to own some of that company, right? Now, see, that's not what they want. No, see, that's not what they want. They say, we need to abandon shareholder capitalism because they don't want you, the little people, getting in the way. See, they know better. They're going to be the ones that decide how things run. A stakeholder is exactly this. Well, if you're in good with that corporation and you're in a specific position within that corporation, well, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to have all your rights. Well, yeah, That's you're going to have a representative. Home. You're going to have a representative come in and they're going to they're going. It'll be your representative government that will voice concerns on your behalf. How well is that working for you right now, America? Or how about the West in general? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. So we're going to have to go. Fascinating conversation as always. Uh, I would normally plug our uh, would normally plug our socials. But uh, the person that took our social media away is currently being sworn in as the next CEO of Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. But we are on Telegram. We're, we're encouraging people to uh, get over on Telegram, get signed up for that platform. We have a public channel over there. We'd encourage all of you to join it. Uh, we're mirroring our podcast because we know podcasting censorship is coming. We're mirroring our podcast here and on our Telegram channel. We also have an exclusive podcast that we do once a week over there where we can kind of step away from the uh, the sensors and all the rest of it and kind of cut loose and have a more in-depth conversation uh, if we need to. Those of you who are subscribed over there, thank you all very much. We appreciate that. We welcome all of you as new listeners. I know we've had some new subscribers today in the last couple of days. Thank you all very much. It means a lot to us. And uh, we hope that you pass us along. We are a public channel over on Telegram. So when you get signed up over there, give us a search. We're, uh, just search for Dynamic Independence. We'll pop right up. Click subscribe or join or whatever it says there. Uh, and then you will get our podcast plus our exclusive podcast every week. Also, if you are a small business owner, we're specifically asking small business owners to reach out to us. uh, And we would like to have you on, sit down, have a conversation with you and ask you what your perspective is during these trying times uh, and how this has affected your business and what you see going forward. And you'll also have the opportunity to speak with not only us, but our audience as well. So if you could reach out to us, we would appreciate that. Also, if you would like to reach out to us and you're not a small business owner, if you want to relay any comments or feedback to us, we would appreciate that as well. The address you can reach us at is tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends and family and known associates. We're trying to grow here as much as possible, but we need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. 
All right, Bruce, that'll do it for today. So thanks for being here. Thank you to all the listeners, and we will see you all tomorrow.